Good afternoon. How's everybody doing? Good. I did bring my fan club. Um, they, they go everywhere with me, actually. Uh, my name is Kyle. I am the youth pastor here at Central. If we have yet to... That's... Thanks, Danny. Love you. All my heart. Um, I am so grateful that each of you chose to come and celebrate Christmas with us. Um, I know that this season is often a hustle. It's crazy. Whether it is last minute gifts that you need to get, you have an office party to prepare for, kids plays to go to, family coming into town, or maybe you are preparing to leave town. It might be finals week if you're a student, or maybe you just have that final deadline of a project to finish before the end of the year. Tis the season, right? And so I applaud you for slowing down. I applaud you for, for being here in, in such a way that you, you stopped, you came, you're sitting. Because I think sometimes we just need to slow down. And as life gets crazier and crazier and busier and busier, I think the, the need to slow down becomes greater and greater as well. So kids, I especially applaud you because you are not only coming and waiting and sitting, but you're doing it while there's literally snow and slides and goodies outside. That's not easy. So I give you permission, kids, I give you permission to help keep your parents quiet, okay? You have permission to tell them, hey, you're distracting me right now. I'm trying to listen, okay? You have my permission. If they have a problem with that, you can talk to Gary, okay? Um, so let me tell you a little bit about me. Um, I am from Portland, Oregon. I am an avid Oregon sports fan. I am married. My favorite color is blue. I am a high school basketball coach. I am a vegan, if you know what that means. I, got, I heard a woo, I think. That's awesome. I did not expect that. And just about uh, four months ago, I became a dad for the first time. I became a dad, but not in the traditional way of doing so. Last September, my wife and I started a fairly long process to become foster parents. We went to Saturday training after Saturday training after more Saturday trainings. And all the while, we waited and, and hoped for the day that we would be approved and be able to provide a loving home for a kid who needed one. I wish I could tell you that during this time of waiting, I was like, it was, it was purposeful waiting for me. And what I mean by that is that while waiting, I was, I was thinking about being a dad. I was preparing to be a dad for the first time. I was praying about being a dad and praying for my future someday kids. And while those things were happening, sometimes my heart wasn't always in it. The reality was probably that I was more ignoring the waiting. I would tell myself stuff like, it just doesn't feel real yet. And so I didn't treat it as if it was going to be real. This whole time, Kayla, my wife, uh, she is reading foster blog after foster blog. She's buying all the things that we need in our house to actually have kids. And if you have kids, you know you just can't have an empty house, right? Um, I, I apparently didn't know that yet. She is preparing our house. Uh, she's preparing herself, preparing herself mentally, emotionally, and preparing physically our home to take in some kids. All the while, I'm up in la-la land, like we're not about to make a life-altering decision to say yes to some kids. But we kept going to trainings, we kept going to meetings, and filling out the paperwork that was necessary. I fit it into my schedule when it was convenient for me, and then I would mentally check out when it wasn't. As I was thinking through this season of waiting that we were in, I realized that even the kids who eventually did come into our home had their own season of waiting. 
They might not have realized it because they're so young. Uh, Our oldest is two and a half and youngest is just about four months old. Um, But they were forced to wait as well. They couldn't ignore it like I did or address it like Kayla did because they're just too young. So they just lived their life believing that what they were experiencing was normal, that it was the way it was supposed to be because they didn't know any better. What do you do in seasons of waiting? How do you react? Do you ignore? Do you prepare? Are you even aware sometimes that you're in that season? We're finishing our Christmas series called Adventure, as you can see on the screen. It's a play on Advent, as you can tell the words are connected, Adventure. See what we did there? You catching it? Yeah, catch it? Okay, good. Advent is the time that was we, the Israelites were awaiting the arrival of the Christ or the Messiah that was talked about in the Old Testament. The one who would come and who would save God's people. The word Advent is all about waiting for what we know of as Christmas. And when I think of adventure, I think of skydiving. Not that I've ever done that because I'm way too scared. I think of, if you've done that, you're way cooler than I am. I think of things like road trips and vacations and exploring Hawaii. I do not think of waiting. I think of going. I think of doing. So how can we connect Advent with adventure other than they sound similar? It's a great question, Kyle. I'm glad you asked. I'll get to that. But we need to start from the very beginning, okay? In order to understand the connection between Advent and adventure, I think we really need to understand the waiting, specifically the waiting that Advent is talking about, that the people did as they were awaiting the arrival of Jesus and his birth. I think adventure for most of us comes natural. We know one when we see one. You get it when you hear somebody talking about their vacation. But Advent is probably not a word that you use in your vocabulary. It's not a word I use in mine. And this waiting is... And this waiting isn't like anything that you or I have ever experienced before. The original Advent was the season the Israelites were in as they awaited the arrival of the Christ. Christ is not Jesus' last name, by the way. It's a title, which means the anointed one of God. So Advent is the time the Israelites were waiting for some person who would be anointed in a special way. And this person was meant to save them, to restore them, to redeem them. And whoever this person would be. So let's go all the way back to the beginning, okay? God creates the world and humans, and we have right relationship with God. You might know the story. Humans mess it up. There's a serpent. They eat some fruit that God told them not to eat. And then sin enters the world, and with it, unrighteous fear. And if you don't know the story, number one, I'm so glad you're here because God passionately loves you. He's passionately in love with you, and he wants you to know that his story, and he wants you to know that you are a part of that story. And number two, if you don't know the stories, don't feel bad. I'm going to hit some of the highlights, so stay with me. After humans mess it up, God says that from the woman will come someone who will crush the serpent on the head. He doesn't just say this, he actually promises to Adam and Eve. He makes a promise that forces them to begin waiting. Who is this person going to be? When will this happen? After Adam and Eve, there's a crazy story about a tower and a flood, and then Abraham, this guy named Abraham, comes on the scene, and God chooses to bless him and build from his family an entire nation. He makes another promise to Abraham. That forces him to wait. And from Abraham and Sarah come Isaac and Jacob. And Jacob has 12 sons. I have two kids. I can't imagine having 12 sons. That would be quite the household. Right? Right? 12 of those. (laughs) Jacob's name is then changed to Israel, which means one who wrestles with God. And that's a crazy story. You should read it if you don't know it. One of Israel's sons, Joseph, rises as a high-ranking official in Egypt. The story of how he got there is awesome. You should read that one too. And when his family comes to Egypt for food in the middle of a famine, they see Joseph, and Joseph saves his family. 
His family stays in Egypt and they begin to multiply like crazy. Generation after generation, they're multiplying and multiplying. Judah, one of Israel's other sons, is told by God that a ruler would come from his line, a savior for the people. This hints back at the promise God made to Eve. Now we know this savior who's going to crush the serpent is going to come from Judah. Keep that in mind. Joseph eventually dies, and Pharaoh, who is afraid of Joseph's family, which has now grown so large, he's afraid that they're going to revolt and fight against the Egyptians. So he decides to make them all slaves. So now the family that God has chosen to use and bless so that they could be a blessing is in slavery. And the person who we're waiting for, this person we don't know when they're going to come or who they're going to be, he's coming from a family line of slaves. Then the story really takes a turn as God uses another Hebrew who goes from slave to prince in Egypt. And this guy, Moses, if you've heard of him, by the power of God helps rescue his people from slavery. But like all humans ever, he messes it up. And all of the Hebrews, all of the Israelites end up wandering for 40 years before they get to this place called the promised land. But God doesn't give up on their family. They do enter the promised land and eventually they do form a nation called Israel because they are from the person, the family of Israel. God gives them commandments to follow and they fail. God gives them judges to rule them and those judges are no good. And humanity is left wondering when this promise that God made would be fulfilled. And the failings of Israel only cause the people to hope for and wonder when would this savior come? After the judges, God allows Israel to have kings and some are okay, but most are just not, right? The first king we meet from the line of Judah is David. David is famous for being a man after God's own heart. He's the, the guy with the, the pebble that hits Goliath, right? We, we, most of us have probably heard this story, right? He's a pretty awesome guy, but he also has some crazy stories of doing some terrible things. So after David, uh, and because of Israel's sin and failure, they are end up, they're ended, they get taken back into slavery. And with David, God made another promise saying that now this person you're waiting for is going to come from your line. So, so we had from Eve, then we had from Judah, and now we have from David. It's getting more and more specific, and we're continuing to wonder, and we have to continue to wait. When is this person going to come? Who is this person? And then with a little bit of warning, God goes silent. Not for a day, not for a week, but for 400 years, God goes silent. No prophets, no judges, no kings, nothing. Silence. It's one thing to wait as, as people are telling you to wait, hey, someone's coming to save you. The prophets were talking as the Israelites were in slavery saying, hey, there's someone who's going to come who's going to free us from our slavery. It's a whole other thing to wait in nothingness, in silence, right? This waiting is nothing like anything that you or I have ever or will ever experience in our lifetime. It's not the line at the DMV. This waiting is something else, right? This waiting is generation after generation after generation, the people of God waited for the person that God promised would come and save them. And they actually believed that the promise would be fulfilled, that this would happen. And now in God's story, we finally come to the plot twist. Naturally, after this long, people had ideas of what the Christ or the Savior would be like. They thought he would be a military leader, one who would destroy Rome and, and return the promised land to the Israelites. He would have some big triumphant entry. He would be like David, conquering Israel's enemies. Plot twist, your savior's a baby. Plot twist, your savior was born to a teenage virgin. Plot twist, your savior is born in a manger that smells like dirty animals. It's funny, right? Your savior has arrived, but not in any way like you expected. This person you waited for 
They're here, but not the way you expected. Jesus enters the world and God is no longer silent. The book of Luke says it this way, telling of the story of Christmas. It says in Luke chapter 2, it'll be on the screen. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen what had been told them about this child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Crazy. And then in the book of John, the author says it this way in a very profound way, in a very different way, just two verses. It says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Wait, stop. Stop waiting. Your waiting is over. Your Savior is here. Your Savior has been born. Your Savior is, wait a second, your Savior is God himself? Is that what that just said? Your Savior is God himself revealed as Jesus. That is not what was expected. That's not like anything the people had ever thought of or heard of or seen before. Christmas is not the beginning of the story. It's the plot twist in the story. It flips the story upside down. It challenged everything the people waiting believed about the Christ and forced them to answer the question, is Jesus the Savior you'd been waiting for? And will you believe in him? If all the people knew was the plot twist, was the birth of Jesus, it would have probably been, hey, no big deal. Babies are born every day, right? (laughs) What makes this so special is the waiting is the promise. The promise that makes this, this moment such a big deal is that they had to wait for such a long time. And the same is true today. If you only come to church on Christmas, all you will ever hear is the birth of Jesus, and you're missing the majority of the story. And it doesn't seem that special or that spectacular, but I promise you, it is special. It is spectacular. The author of Hebrews uh, tells us, gives us kind of this perspective of Jesus from Jesus' words. It says, So when Jesus the Messiah came into the world, he said, Since your ultimate desire was not another animal sacrifice, you have clothed me with a body that I might offer myself instead. Multiple burnt offerings and sin offerings cannot satisfy your justice. So I said to you, God, I will be the one to go and do your will, to fulfill all that is written of me in your word. First, he said, multiple burnt burnt offerings and sin offerings cannot satisfy your justice, even though the law required them to be offered. Then he said, God, I will be the one to go and do your will. So by being the sacrifice that removes sin, he abolishes animal sacrifices and replaces that entire system with the new covenant. By God's will, we, we have been purified and made holy once and for all through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus, the Messiah. And Messiah is another way of saying the Christ or simply acknowledging Jesus is the anointed one we've been waiting for. The beauty of Jesus coming as a baby is how he lived his life and how he ended it. 
This humble baby grew up and followed every single law required by God, and then he died paying the price that lawbreakers are supposed to pay, meaning that he paid the price for someone other than himself. He paid that price for for you and for me and for everyone. He paid the price to remove your sin for good, forever, never to be seen again. And then again, at the end of Jesus' life, the people who had been waiting and watching were forced to answer the question, is Jesus the Savior that you've been waiting for, and will you believe in him? Jesus' existence, which is a historical fact, poses the question to all of humanity. Is Jesus the Savior you've been waiting for, and will you believe in him? So now back to Advent and adventure. Can waiting for an arrival be an adventure? The Google definition of adventure is an unusual and exciting, typically hazardous experience or activity. What they were waiting for was yes, very unusual. It was definitely exciting. It was definitely hazardous. And it was something that we were, we are, and the people were invited to experience and invited to participate in. Before the invention of mass communication, this was bigger than the moon landing. This was something an entire nation was tuned in for. Even non-Israelites were aware of the Israelites' hope for a Messiah, for a Savior. The three wise men you've probably heard about, they, they were from the East. They were not Israelites themselves. They were people who were aware of the Israelites waiting and hope for a Savior and believed this baby to be the answer. This was bigger than Black Friday at Walmart. This is bigger than the, the mall you'll see tomorrow if you do some last-second shopping. And it didn't matter if you believed in it or not, you knew about it. It didn't matter if you believed in it or not, you were affected by it. God was pulling the Israelites in a new direction. He was changing the course of humanity. And new can often be an adventure on its own. And I believe God is pulling all of you here tonight in the adventure of a new direction. Because that's what he's always doing. He's taking us from waiting to action, from advent to adventure. He's showing us the action in the waiting and the advent within the adventure. There is no adventure as big as Jesus' birth without some waiting. The bigger the wait, the bigger the anticipation for a Savior. And if you're sitting here in this room right now, a question has been posed to you. You may not even be aware of this question. You might have been ignoring this question. You may have already answered the question. You might not like the question. Is Jesus the Savior humanity has been waiting for? And will you believe in him? Every year, people all over the world celebrate Christmas. We put up a tree, we put up lights, we actually get excited as strangers in a car drive by our house really slowly and stare at our really cool lights, and only around Christmas do we not get weirded out by this, right? (laughs) We throw Christmas parties, we give gifts, all in the spirit of Christmas. And in all of that noise, I think the question of Christmas has been muffled. You can ignore the question, you can answer the question, you might not like the question, you might not have even known the question existed. But the question still remains, this baby Jesus, is he the savior you've been waiting for? And will you believe in him? And I believe with all of my heart that he is. I believe with all my heart that that baby becomes savior, Jesus paid the price to save me from my sins, paid the price to save you from my sins. And the reality is you might not care one bit what I believe, because all that really matters is what you believe. The Israelites needed saving from slavery and from their own destruction, which led to this to their slavery. What do you need saving from? What do you need saving from right now, this week, this past year? Is there an addiction that's ruining your life? Is, there, is your marriage on the rocks and you, you feel like giving up is the only answer? Do you feel lost? Do you feel alone? Do you live your life afraid? Is there a relationship that has been broken and you wish it could be fixed, but you just don't know what to do? 
could this person, could this baby actually lead the people out of slavery for good, forever, never to go back into slavery again? And would they believe in him? That was the question. The Israelites found themselves in slavery without God's intervention, and Jesus came to intervene in all of humanity's slavery. What's crazy is that because this was such a long time of waiting, it was generation after generation after generation, so many Israelites were born into slavery, and that was all they knew. It was normal. They were born into this idea of being shackled, and they thought that was just normal. And unfortunately, what's crazy is that's sort of what's like us, that's what we are like today. So many of us are born into slavery, and we think it's normal. We're shackled to the addictions we wish we could get rid of, but we think that they're normal. We're shackled to the painful relationships we wish we could fix, but we just think it's normal. We sacrifice our families and the people we care about for the promotion that won't satisfy, and we think that's normal, that that's what we're supposed to do. Most of us just live unaware that we are enslaved, and when we do become aware, when we do become aware that life doesn't have to be this way, we don't have to be in slavery, far too often our response is to start working away at the shackles that we can't see with tools not cut out for the job. It's like a basketball basketball team trying to play basketball with a football. They're just going to end up frustrated. It's the carpenter trying to cut wood with a really, really sharp screwdriver. He's just going to end up frustrated. It's like you and I trying to climb up a ladder to escape from our slavery, but little do we know that ladder will never end, and we're just going to end up frustrated and very, very tired. Have any of you ever felt like this? Good, I'm glad. That's awesome. The beauty of Christmas is that in order to save us from our slavery, God came down the ladder and became a human. God did the work so that you and I wouldn't get frustrated and tired because he knew that we couldn't do it on our own. And we are told that all that is asked of us to be released from our slavery and freed from our sin is to trust in Jesus and to follow him. This is what we call the good news. It's amazing news that I don't have to work my way out of slavery. I don't have to work my way to God because he came down to me. And when we decide to say yes to Jesus, we begin the adventure of a lifetime that shatters all of our expectations. My wife and I said yes to fostering, and regardless of what our seasons of waiting were like, when we got the call, we said yes. And following Jesus and loving our two little kids has been a life-changing adventure. It's been exhausting, challenging, frustrating, full of joy, full of meaning, and I definitely believe that I'm better because of it. Regardless of whether you've been ignoring the question, whether or not you were aware of the question, whether you like the question, will you answer the question? Is Jesus the Savior that you need? And will you believe in him? This Christmas, will you choose to say yes to Jesus and the life that he offers you? Because the waiting's over. The Christ has arrived. In the Christian, in the Christian tradition, many churches, as they talk about the Advent season, they use candles for the four weeks that lead up to Christmas, and they place one candle in the middle that represents Jesus. We have a candle that's lit tonight that represents Jesus. And we don't need the other four candles because there's no more waiting. And we are going to light um, all of the candles that you were handed as you came in. They might look similar to this, and if you're really young, they might not look quite like this. They might have a a switch on them, and that's awesome. You can light those already. I'm going to light this, and then we are going to, uh, Gary's going to help me. We're going to pass this light to everybody else in the room. And here's a few things to note. This is real fire. So, yes, you will have real fire in your hands. By the end of this, all of our candles will be lit, and the source will have come from this one candle that represents Jesus in the same way that we can all experience abundant life with Jesus as our source for life. 
And as you pass your candle to the person beside you, say a prayer for them. You are literally spreading the light of Jesus. Also, if your candle is lit, just a quick uh, logistical thing, you hold it upright. The person next to you can lean theirs over to get the light. That way we don't drip wax onto our neighbors. That's not very much fun. As this is happening, the worship team is going to be back up here, and we're going to sing Silent Night together to close the service. And I challenge you, I ask you, I implore you, take this song and this time to reflect on the question, is Jesus the Savior that humanity had been waiting for? Is he the Savior that you need? And will you tonight choose to believe in him in a way that you haven't before? After the song, we're going to have an opportunity to respond and answer this question that Christmas poses year after year after year, that the birth of Jesus should remind us of year after year after year. I hope tonight you can't walk out of here and say you are still unaware of the question that Christmas is asking you. You're either answering the question or ignoring it. I'm going to pray and then we're going to light the candles. God, I thank you for sending your son, Jesus, as a baby. I thank you that it's nothing like anything that I could have imagined, anything like the people thought it would be. I thank you for the long Advent season of waiting that made this such a big deal. And God, as we celebrate this year after year after year, would we be reminded that there was a time that people didn't get to celebrate it year after year after year. They just waited and waited and waited and waited for a savior. And God, you've come. And so Jesus, if there's anybody in this room that this question's been posed to, I ask that you, Holy Spirit, would stir in their hearts to answer the question tonight. Yeah, Holy Spirit, would we feel your presence as we do this? It's in your name we pray. Amen.